It is the last episode for us this year. And we made it. We made it. We're not <laughs> we made done it yet. somehow. We got to get through this. Skin okay? of our teeth. <laughs> this has been a year, and you, you typically what happens after the game awards is nothing. Nothing happens. We would talk about our top five games, our personal lists, and that would be the end of it. But we still couldn't get away from news. News is still <laughs> dropping. That's pretty big. Yep. E3. Not. Bye-bye. It's, 2023. It's done. <laughs> the last time we're going to hear about E3. It is for sure done. Like, there will not be another E3. Yep. There's not a whole lot to say about it because... The writing was on the wall, but it's... And that was back in 2019, the writing was on... It wasn't the pandemic that killed E3. We all know that. Like, it didn't it help. Helped. It didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I mean, they tried getting Reed Pop involved. That didn't work. So, I mean, after Reed Pop, it was like, all right, well, what what's the plan? You guys are going to go back to doing your own thing? So... Heck, I if mean, anything, it damaged Reed Pop's... <laughs> <laughs> reputation yeah. <laughs> to get like, oh, man. Yeah, yeah that's true that's a yikes Dude, I, yeah. mean, I, I think e3 kind of killed e3 like they yeah. did it to themselves you, you oh, have yeah, to totally. evolve and they just yeah. didn't but so. let's well, be honest and when like, they did evolve they evolved in the wrong directions like well, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. double down on the nonsense but speaking of evolving like what I don't know what they could have done, honestly. Like what what Jeff Keeley is doing with the Summer Games Fest, it is that is a fairly strictly digital event. The first one that was in person was l- last year. Uh, well, yeah. So you know, it started it started as a digital event. So yep. and now it's back uh, to journos again. Event. Only mm-hmm. say that again. Yeah. Well, the the and then the live part portion is only journalists again. So. Yeah, which I'm fine with, but... Yeah, which is good. Yeah, it should be that way, yeah. I agree. But I feel like... I don't I don't know what direction that show could have gone without losing its identity, because E3 is what it was because of the in-person, because of uh, the grandiose stage presences and all that. Like, part of that was the spectacle of e3 and not to I, I like summer games fest but the spectacle isn't quite there with summer yep. games the trailers and stuff are there yeah. and so the there's hype but the spectacle isn't there it, it's a show whereas e3 was an event is yep. the way i i feel about it well and i think some of that is because of we've talked about just we just talked about evolution and uh, we don't get game reveals the same way we used to like e3 was where you had to announce it like that was how it was back in the day now it's a oh people love our brands we can do our own digital things around the year and it doesn't mm-hmm. really matter so now that things aren't as tied to a specific time frame, to a specific show, that spectacle, that's part of why the spectacle has dimmed because 
people realize we can go off and do our own thing and get just as many eyes as if we paid six figures for a booth at E3. And that's that's just really part of it is the why it's dimmed is because of the fact it's it's spaced out. It's a lot more spaced out than it's ever been. And it's just not as it's it's not as fun. Yeah. Part part of that was like kind of the big outlets being there and like doing like their own little stage presences and having interviews and and doing all that. I I've, I found that fun too. The game uh, the game spots and the IGNs and you know they're doing their own thing and whatnot. Growing up, that was part of it because it was like. After the the press conferences, it was like the the event after the event, you know. And so it was like you just get online and you just pay attention to everything that would be going on all week long, and that stuff just kind of slowly died off. And and here we are. E three is gone. Yep. Glad I got yeah, to I go th- once. <laughs> I think I went that, one time. you know. We've talked about this before, but I think E3 could have survived. It just wouldn't have been E3. It would have had okay. to have changed to something else entirely, but that's that's a whole nother conversation. It's just, it's it feels like we lost a friend that, you know, because, you know, growing up, it was such a big emotional, like hyped, hyped event. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Those weeks at, when we worked at GameStop, man, those were... yeah. Those were, Those were the uh, customers would start talking about, shush, shush, hold on. <laughs> and I just turned the screen and all of us would start, you know, it was, it was so much fun. Uh, yeah. I used to take vacation time and I'd go, me and a friend, like this was back before I was in, before I worked with Noah. And like, I take vacation time, I would, we would heat, I'd heat up a big bowl of pasta and some pasta and sauce going and we just sit there and eat and watch all the shows <laughs> on the Monday. And it was just, it was epic. It really was. And like you said, that, that spectacle that we got of just kind of waiting through the day, it just, it just isn't there anymore. Sadly. You know, I just thought of this as you guys were talking. And I wonder if one shift E3 could have made, and maybe Jeff can do this because I, I still think people at Jeff would Keeley. like, Huh? I tagged him. I said at Jeff Keeley. That way oh. he can see it. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if, and I think people would still like this because I think people would still like the press conferences, the stage presence, the spectacle. If Jeff like rented a venue, kind of like what he does with the game awards, but he uses that one singular place for everybody to come do their press conference or whatever. They just, I want to say share the stage, but at different times they use the stage to present their thing. So that way it's already paid for, maybe chipped in by the publishers and whatnot, but it's already paid for. So they don't worry after that booth space and things like that. They could still have the stage. They could do their thing for X amount of time. And then uh, I guess kind of continue what they did with the Summer Games Fest last year where they kind of have the, the show floor presence. I feel like that could work because part of it, was, and I think, I think part of it is obviously, you know, Microsoft bringing out a Forza car every year. <laughs> that kind of stuff costs money. But I feel like there, 
honestly, there's money in the console war crap, but yep. and, and that would yeah. feed into there's engagement, it. yeah. There is, and that would feed into it. Would it cost more technically? Yes. But if the fruit is there, then I, I feel like it's justified. And especially if you don't have to pay for booth space and a stage and all that, you know, it's kind of already covered yeah. for you. You just have to pay for maybe the whatever you would want to use for presentation purposes. I feel like that's a that's a better a better shift possibly for the platform holders and the publishers. I guess it's just convincing people that that's the way to do it. Sure. I don't know. It sounds like a good idea to me. <laughs> yep. I At still like the idea of exclusive merch. Huh? I oh, still yeah, like the yeah. idea of exclusive merch at the show. Like, that's how you get people. That's how you get the extra monetary stuff. This design only available at Summer Game Fest. Yeah. This statue yeah. only available at Summer Game Fest. Like, yeah, because we, we already know they overpriced that stuff. <laughs> Heck, throw in like exclusive demos. I, I get that sometimes you want to like do it isn't or do it just like you do make people pay for early access. Like, buy this thing at the Summer Game Fest booth for this dev, this publisher. Get an exclusive demo for this game. Yeah, I mean, you, there's so many ways you can market this and make extra money and it's early access to the demo like then like two weeks later you release it to the grant the public so that way you still get to use the demo yeah so there are ways to make it work yeah that's true all right uh yeah e3's dead it's nice yep. while it's nice while it lasted but nobody's rest, celebrating it please. but we get it yeah like yeah it's it's not a uh happier this is like it is time you know, with yep. with the way the trend it had trended these past few years, so it was inevitable, as, yeah. as yep. some would say. All so. right, another big story that kind of dropped. This wasn't that. inevitable. <laughs> yeah, this was. I don't know if it was inevitable or or not. I I mean, it depends on where Naughty Dog wanted to go, but they are discontinuing developments on the Last of Us multiplayer that they were working on, the live service version of the Last of Us multiplayer. And I, that's the one thing I forgot to do when I was looking this up. I don't know if somebody else could pull it up. Um, Needing the, uh, what's it called? What are you looking for? What they said. For what they said. Yeah. I can oh, read it. I've got it on Twitter. Okay. At least I should. Yep. Let me pull it up real quick. Here we go. Yeah. I've got pull it. Pull it up. So this was what was said in the update. It says, we realize many of you have been anticipating news around the project that we've been calling The Last of Us Online. There's no easy way to say this. We've made the incredibly difficult decision to stop development on that game. We know this news will be tough for many, especially our dedicated Last of Us Factions community who've been following our multiplayer ambitions ardently. We're equally crushed at the studio as we are looking for we're looking forward to putting it in your hands. We want to share with you some background on how we came to this decision. The multiplayer team has been in pre-production with this game since we were working on The Last of Us Part 2, crafting an experience we felt was unique and had tremendous potential. As the multiplayer team iterated on their concept for The Last of Us Online during this time, their vision crystallized, the gameplay got more refined and satisfying, we were enthusiastic about the direction we were headed. 
In ramping up to full production, the massive scope of our ambition became clear. To release and support The Last of Us Online, we'd have to put all of our studio resources behind supporting post-launch content for years to come, severely impacting development on future single-player games. So we had two paths in front of us, become a solely live-service game studio or continue to focus... on single-player narrative games that have defined Naughty Dog's heritage. We are immensely proud of everyone at the studio that touched this project. Learnings and investments in technology from this game carry into how we develop our projects and will be invaluable in the direction we are headed as a studio. We have more than one ambitious brand-new single-player game we're working on here at Naughty Dog, and we cannot wait to share more about what comes next when we're ready. Until then, we're incredibly thankful to our community for your support throughout the years. So, this is kind of that, it's back to the, you can't waste time. Like, if it's not going to work, if you can't make, if you can't 100% this, you, this is what you have to do. Yeah, like, you don't want to, if it is not, if the flow is not there, when you're at a certain point, you need to just cut your losses and say, hey, we tried, it didn't work, let's either you know, switch it up and do something else, start fresh, you know, maybe just shelve it until you can come up with a way. Um, But I, and I've said this multiple times here, um, live service is not bad, but not everything needs a live service. Um, And Naughty Dog, like, I'm, I think this is a a good, uh, not lesson because, um, it definitely sucks that like their shell, you know, all that hard work, like they said, all that time and investment, that's not really going to produce a profit or, you know, a result. But I think this is a good respectful lesson in <laughs> stay in your lane. <laughs> like yeah. you guys excel at single player experiences and narratives. Don't try to jump into the, you know, the live service thing which we don't know the full story about who wanted to do it, you know, mm-hmm. like it could have yep. been something Sony kind of pushed. It could have been something that they genuinely wanted to try. I, um, I think it's probably bit off more than we can chew is, is the way I look at it because what they did with factions was great. And then they were like, let's grow this into something even more unique. It, it reminds me of like Druckmann. A lot of what he does reminds me of Ken Levine with Bioshock of, a game almost doesn't come out because the it has to be perfect. Yep. And I think they had some people at the studio that kept, this has to be perfect, this has to be perfect. And the more they kept doing it, the more they kept doing it. And then, then Bungie comes in and looks at it and says, nah, this is not how you're going to be able to There's do not the live service. This yeah, isn't going to be able to be, work for live service the way you think it is. And suddenly they are looking at it and saying, okay, we either have to stop this or we're like, I I, th- I wouldn't be surprised if Bungie didn't lay out, look, you're going to have to pull staff from this. You're going to have to do this. This is how you're going to have to support this project. And when they realized, crap, this is what we have to do. Like you said, they had to make that rip off the Band-Aid decision it's, and just be like, it's going to be can't do more it. expensive, more time, more resources that they could be putting into other things that they are seeing no. progress in. It, it doesn't. I don't think this is a knock to Naughty Dog at all. 
I don't no. think this is a failure or a they couldn't do it. If I anything, think it, I think this is smart, a smart yeah. decision. It's like you you actually had to make a decision to pull the plug on a bunch of money that you invested mm-hmm. into time and money you invested into something. And that's yep. not an easy decision because I do think Sony let them make this decision. I think so, too. I well, it's because it's you have Naughty Dog. If Naughty Dog doesn't feel that they're ready or that it needs to move forward, you have to listen to them. You can't just, yeah. you know, disregard their opinion because they've helped build Sony up. Yep. With you know their titles and franchises and stuff. So I, I, well, I think, think it's a thing, good move. I think one thing we can be really glad about in this situation, like. We didn't end up seeing, and I'm not saying that Last of Us Online is like this. This is not what I'm saying when I say this, because in all fairness, could have been absolutely phenomenal. I'm glad that we didn't have an anthem moment for this studio, because we see how it has affected Bioware, and obviously the trust that people even have in Bioware at this point. And while I do think Naughty Dog has, I'm not going to say I don't want to say burn people because I don't feel like that is the thing. I think Naughty Dog is in a position where because the only things they've really done is remasters recently, people are kind of looking and saying, look, what do you what we we need something from you? Like, what what have you done for me lately? Kind of like that's kind of what we're looking at, because Insomniac and Sony Santa Monica, even Gorilla probably looked at as the better studios in terms of. Like Sony's, like Naughty Dog used to be top dog. Used to be the No pun intended. But it's like right now they are kind of riding on the coattails of what they did in yesteryear. So even with part one being fantastic, even with them remastering it, even with I'm sure part two, the remaster is going to be well done. Uh, Thankfully, they did go the route of it's only 10 more bucks. Most people own part two, so it's not like it's going to be. Yeah. You can go out and get a cheap copy of part two. It's not going to be that hard to. It's on sale every season. For, yeah, so. it, you're not you're not going to have any problem getting that for cheap. Um, but it, Naughty Dogs, uh, the, unfortunately, they're having to start fresh, and peop, they are going to be under the microscope a little bit extra on this one. So hopefully, they can really push. They can they can get these projects off the ground because i'm assuming that a lot of these projects are still early stage um mm-hmm. so we might be we honestly might be looking at getting their next game at the end of this gen which is kind of sad but we're that's just where we are and it just it hurts sony sony overall is kind of kind of having some rough uh rough time with some of their decisions with some of the layoffs that they've had to do with some of the you can tell that this live service push definitely stunted their growth uh mm-hmm. I-, I think they're probably in a better place than ubisoft was because i think ubisoft let too much of it inhabit everything to the point where they were having to cancel projects left and right whereas sony uh, while i think they invested in plenty of them i feel like that they have been quicker to pull the plug compared to ub uh in in the pivot so it's it's good to see and it you know, like you said, I mean, uh, if you're going to do a live service game, it's going to have to be fun, absolutely top tier. You're just in such a crowded space. People do not want well, to switch. You, It's hard. You know, it's almost weird. You, you need to let the success of a live service game, if you're a company, you need to let that 
come to you versus you pushing for it. Like you shouldn't yeah. push for the success of a live service game. You should develop what you want. And then if people want that, then you can start delving research. You don't need to just throw live service games out there just to try and be the next thing. Um, uh, so. Well, I feel like the studios that do do that are the ones that fail. Like if you are, I, I would say, like I agree with the sentiment that you're saying, but I think like you shouldn't, you, it should naturally, I'm trying to think the best way, like you shouldn't go into the thought of pushing out a live service game to make money and for it to be successful. It should just almost, I don't know, it's just because they're so random now. Like, it has to be special in order to be successful yeah, because... Be, yeah, they have to be... I mean, the point of the churn out. world. <laughs> I, yeah, I think... I think I hear what you're saying. It's just the words that you're using. I'm are not, yeah, I'm, it's not. Because I'm like, but yes, you make a, a live service and you, you do make it with the intention of making it good and you do make it with the intention of making money because most live services are free to play. So they, they have to make money. Otherwise, you, you can't don't just that. trace. You can't just chase a trend. I think that's what Noah is trying to say. And I would. But that's the a little trend is live a little service, more. right? Yeah, so, like, that's that's my language. So. Yeah, um, and and that's fair. I do I do agree with that. I just I think studios like Naughty Dog have something that could be unique that nobody else could have in the Last of Us factions. So I understand them and Sony going, hey, why don't you guys take that thing you did and turn it into a live service? And Naughty Dog's probably thinking, it might not be a bad idea if we could flesh it out and make it more popular. Because the factions in the original Last of Us multiplayer, like it was, it was, I think it's one of the most underrated multiplayer ever. Yep. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's really good. But a lot of, I would say probably 70 to 80% of the actual Last of Us players didn't care about it. Yep. And I think if they figured out a way to make it something where people would care about it last of us two players last of us players then there's something there for that and maybe people who aren't into the last of us single player like uh you know a repeat player or play it on new game plus or you know whatever the options are they might be into the idea of a multiplayer of it they yep. just didn't like maybe like faction or you know whatever the original one so I can understand the thought. Yeah, we can do this. I'm confused about the people who are like, this statement is just PR. And there really wasn't only two decisions to be had They They could have just made a regular multiplayer game and that would have been fine. And my thought is, Who's doing that now? Yeah. The market certainly don't give a flip about that. <laughs> they sure as heck don't care about just a multiplayer game attached to your single player game. No, they want these ongoing services that provide them things on an ongoing basis. Hence, live service. So those people I don't understand. I'm like, okay. 
I look at this and I think this is Overwatch flipped. Overwatch tried to create a single player, but they had to focus on live service because the live service was suffering because of the single player. This was, we tried to create a multiplayer, but our single player development is suffering. suffering. So we need to stop doing the multiplayer. I feel like that's a totally legit reason for this because live service is such a resource intensive thing you yep, need it's expensive people it's, very oh, it's expensive. so expensive very expensive so i don't understand why people would suggest that this isn't the real reason or there's got to be something else or i don't it's that thing it, of everybody complaining about co-op not existing in video games anymore why can't you just throw this in you don't just throw it in. <laughs> you don't. Somebody it's not has like, to make oh, this game work with co-op. Oh, oh, oh my, my favorite statement I saw from somebody on Threads was, uh, "Yeah, they could just start a new studio easily. That easily. That was. I was like, yeah, sure, yeah, they could just create a new live service studio out of Naughty Dog. I mean, are there tons yeah, of like laid off workers to get? Sure, but where's that money coming <laughs> from? Right. Like, <laughs> I'm like, there's startup costs." there <laughs> to start a and also you're not there's a reason to, not everybody just does this <laughs> well also how are you gonna you don't you're not gonna get a paycheck for four years because you're gonna be dev in the game for four years well that's yeah, like, actually the thing they are going to get paychecks they are gonna get paid the problem is are they gonna make that back when yeah. they make the live that's the risk of a live service that's why it has to be a banger because yep. if it's not your studio is doomed, or at least well, that's, in a really bad situation. Well, that's why Sony's pivoting back. Like we we're seeing this pivot this year. Like we really are. We haven't gotten a lot of updates on games. Why? Because a lot of these studios have had to re-pivot. Because they you've either put out your single player game or you're pivoting. <laughs> that's what it feels pivot. like right now. Like you're pivot. literally that's what's going on. Um, so that's why they haven't had a lot to show this year. That's why we don't know a lot about next year. Uh, you're having to do all, make all these changes and in all fairness, it's for the best. Like I'm, yeah. Am I sad that factions isn't coming out? Yeah. As, as Anthony says, probably going to be one of the more unique, uh, multiplayer games in the space, honestly, whatever they came up with, but. If it's just going, if it's going to cost you your soul, so to speak, as a studio, then don't do it. That's like, exactly what it was going to do. That's that's exactly what happened to Bioware with Anthem. And look that's at exactly them what happened to them. Yep. I mean, ever, we're just having to hope that Dragon Age get it, that yeah. they can pull it off. Like we're just having to hope that they pull it off. Uh, look at Redfall's another example, a game that was supposed to be live service. And got cobbled into what it eventually was with 70% of the original team leaving. Battlefield 2042 turned into a live service. and I think a bigger part of the problem was they tried to copy other games and what made those successful instead of sticking to what makes Battlefield successful. But still, that's, that's, that's what you're having to think about when you create a live service. Mm-hmm. Yep. Are people going to play Battlefield if it's a live service, like just as a live service? Or do we need something that brings in even more people? Monetary decisions. And, and even that, like we, we 
hear something like that and we think, oh, they're just greedy. Perhaps. Perhaps. That's probably, probably. 70% of the reason. <laughs> probably. But the other 30% could be we're making a live service game. This is very expensive and it's ongoing. We're going to need some more money. So we're going to have to do some things. We're going to have to include some things that would include a player base that is not typically Battlefield. So we need some hero shooter like elements. We need some, you know, di- yep. grappling hooks and, you know, just different things to bring those player is, players in because maybe if they like that, then they would stick around and pay some money. Yep. These are the kind of decisions that that need to be made when making live service. And I would agree with Noah on this. On your natural, I think I'll say it this way. I think it might sound a little better. The, the game that you're making needs to be naturally a live service. Knockout city. That's a good worked. Yes. It didn't last forever, but it, who says live services are supposed to last forever, right? Fortnite. One of the greatest examples of a life. Enigma. Earth. That'll never, I don't know if we'll ever have something that, like Fortnite. That, that's, no, the, I, that's the first three phases of Marvel movies <laughs> <laughs> of the video game industry. Like it somehow works and we don't know why. Yeah. Let's just keep going and nobody. It, but, even, but even they are having to evolve with Fortnite Festival and uh, Fortnite OG, Racing and Fortnite uh, Minecraft essentially with Legos like absolutely. It, it started though with the OG like them bringing back the yeah. classic map and stuff that shot engagement up. That's called we just fired everybody so we got to bring back something easy to put in. <laughs> yeah right. So uh, I mean, tell me one of y'all that was fired don't got the master disc. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know, I crap a lot on Destiny, but they've done, they have done right longer things. than other people. Right. Yeah, we're not saying that we're not saying they're a hundred percent like, well, the like best, even Bungie. Still. I mean, this year, if this year more recently, last six months, have taught us anything, is that they're struggling to, you know because of how expensive it is like it's it's not a easy thing to do no it's not marketing costs all it's it's so much that goes into a live service it's such an expensive endeavor and it's there there are a lot of similarities between making a (laughs) finished experience one that actually ends versus something that's ongoing but Mm -hmm. if you look uh, even microsoft there's not a lot of live service on that announcements list it's like no and even, even they know they could do 10 and by 2026 <laughs> like yep. really that was ambitious from the start yep i think it just goes to show again you you better have something worth putting in <laughs> with live service and even then it's not it may not work <laughs> like yeah that's really what it boils down to you better have the finals up <laughs> Like, yeah, the final be cooking up. Yeah, it works. Like this, this is a game that just okay, even just still makes sense as a live service. Let's see what it is six months down the line. Like, it's it, you got to have a gr- absolutely fan- fantastic gameplay and concept. But man, it, even then, six months in, you never know where you're going to be. You you don't because we got to sure see don't. them support this over the next six months. Yep. Like, but more developers have the stuff. Are, are getting hip to the idea of we need to be prepared. Yep. 
Well, no, and I have have the first year done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I like one of the things I talked to him. I've noticed with Call of Duty, I've never seen this many just random events. Like we've had a, an event almost every week that is just it's. I mean, it's literally either grind like just basic For XP that you're skin. already earning, or yeah, if you enough. equip, if you buy this bundle and equip this skin, it'll give you a bonus amount for every match. Like for like this event that's like ten rewards long. It's like an an extra tier, but it's like it's either that or it's do specific challenges to earn this stuff. And it's like I I just do it just for the sheer sake of it's there. But it's it's that thing of like, man, I I really wanted that Dune sand themed camo. <laughs> reactive camo for my weapon at the end so i did i just played with that specific skin and to get it faster and i mean it took me like literally one gaming session but just the fact that there's almost always something for me to do right now when i'm jumping into call of duty is like it's actually pretty crazy because they're really starting to nail the live service formula in terms of it's not just my daily challenge. It's not just my weekly challenges, but there's additional crossover challenges that are going on. So it's like you said, it's it is live service is not just shoehorn it in. You have to put effort and work into it. And as we can see in that announcement, they just could not see themselves that they had to put every resource into it if they were going to do it. And they couldn't. That That wasn't the passion of that studio. And as much as that sucks, if that's not their passion, they don't need to be doing it. Nope. Because you nope. end up with off. You end up with Redfall, and I, I'm, I'm not just trying. I'm trying to not crap just on Redfall over it because uh, I said it in the review process. There are things that yeah. I like about Redfall, but I mean, there's a reason seventy percent of that studio left. They didn't like what they were doing. <laughs> oh, that and the single player side of Naughty Dog would have suffered too. So then you would have got <laughs> yep. Uh, mediocre live service and then single player would have been mediocre and then everybody if it was worked been... on at all yep right so this was the best decision i imagine y'all said that while i was out <laughs> yeah it, essentially yep. it's a and it sucks and it sets them back it definitely sets naughty dog back but well, it's the right decision all you have to do to bounce back is after the holiday season let everybody I was waiting for you to say remaster Last of Us Part Two remastered. <laughs> I thought about it, but I'm trying to be more mature, you know. No. Um, so What's all that? you have to do is just let let the holiday season pass, and then take two weeks, get you some art people in there, and make a teaser, and just give us a glimpse of your next single player. Everybody will forget it. I was that's thinking true. at a, I was thinking at a roguelite, because <laughs> that's what Sony's doing right now is adding roguelites to all their games. <laughs> uh, we, we need I ain't saying on. it's a bad decision because apparently, God of War Valhalla is phenomenal. <laughs> we need to move on, or I'm going to spend 30 minutes talking about this roguelike. Oh, it's so <laughs> good. So, spoiler: this is that the number one episode. game on on <laughs> game of the year list. <laughs> If it wasn't free, I can't. I don't feel right putting a. That's a DLC, a, so yeah, free DLC. I don't even like putting like ex like. I don't like DLC putting expansions expansion. or DLC. Yeah. yeah, like there's just something like as good as Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty is, and as much as it 
remakes the game, the game has been out for multiple years, mm-hmm. so. Because that might have, may have been on my list, if not for... But yeah, play Valhalla. It might be the best DLC I've ever played, so. Okay. Well, with that said, might as well just start talking about games. Yeah. We got our top five lists, each yeah. of us, our Pulling own individual up. lists. Wrong button. That we will talk about. Uh, so we'll go from five to one for each of us. Uh, I have a little timer for our discussion of each game. So that way we don't get too crazy and this podcast becomes super long. This is when so, I quote the entire speech from Larian's game director on Twitter that he didn't get to say at the awards show. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, when you hear this sound, already. that means we need to wrap it up. <laughs> and All keep, right there, Jeff Keeley. Yep. <laughs> Wrap it up, please. Uh, all right. We'll go from bottom bottom up. No, we'll start with you. What is your number five game this year? It's one that I actually reviewed myself, so I'm a little biased. Um, but it's on Game Pass. It's a title called Ravenlock. It's my indie darling of my top oh. five list. Um, I gave Blasphemous 2 a higher score, but Ravenlock still won me over. Um, it's got wonderful progression. If you like the Breath of the Wild style, where it kind of you have to pick up on dialogues to progress your side quests, major quests, and stuff, um, you'll love it. Combat's very hack and slash, and it's based a dark reference to Alice in Wonderland. So, play it well, on Game Pass. That, that was that one game that's top down, right? Um, no, no, I'm thinking of a different one. I thought you showed. Yeah, it this. To us. Uh, it, this one's third person, so oh, okay. I'm thinking of yeah. something else then. with like a pixelated art style. So, oh, that game. Okay, yeah, played on yeah. Game Pass. So, yeah, I didn't play that one, and I haven't seen much of it. Okay, Ravenlock made your top five. It's my indie darling. I what? adored that game. So you scored it lower than uh uh Dredge, not Dredge, which uh Blasphemous Two. Yep. Yeah. So why is it, well? Maybe Blasphemous 2 is on your list, but you don't know. I'll, I'll ask it if Blasphemous it's, 2 so, ends so up it's on one your of those, list. So it's not a spoiler. Uh, oh, okay. The reason why is that I, in terms of, I talked about all the pros of Ravenlock. Uh, some of the cons is there are a lot of the basic foundational aspects of the game that were a little weak um, in terms of, it was just simple. Like the combat was mm, yeah. just a dodge, and you know, and it was a very basic game. So, and I, I didn't, I didn't feel that that way. It deserved a really high score. Whereas everything about Blasphemous Two as a game, I think, was better. But it's kind of the while one game is higher scored technically, you still have a soft spot for this game, and that kind of. No, I get it. the score. Yeah. I get it when you explain it that way. The overall yeah. package oh, of yeah. Blasphemous 2 comes together more cohesively mm-hmm. and therefore, you know, gets a higher I, score and recommendation. I have a similar one on my list where it might not be a perfect game, but man, is it like so is much it fun. Just my, yeah. yeah. No, so, I got plenty of those games on my list. They're <laughs> far below uh, my top five, but they are the games I spend a lot of time playing still. 
All right, David, what is your top five or your fifth? Well, let me tell y'all a story about the Lord of the Rings Gollum. No, I'm just mm, kidding. Sit around the campfire. <laughs> no, 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 no. I thought you were going to say I was... our Lord and Savior, Alan Wake. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're only at five. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, the uh, I don't want to rag too hard on Gollum because I actually did score it higher than most because I had my fun with it. Um, but Yes, you did. Uh, this types. one. That's... So what's funny is I actually had a different. Uh, I had a different uh, game on this list as at five, and then I scrolled through my PlayStation games I played this year on my the PS app. I'm like, oh wait, that one. <laughs> you're like, <"What?" laughs> well, I what's that? I actually. I what's funny is that I happens fr- where you're like, oh my gosh, I love this thing so much, and like, what is it? And you're like, um, <laughs> has to scrape. What's you know, bad s- is I did notes. the. I hate that feeling because I feel like such a bad person. <laughs> well, what's worse is I sat I sat at the end of the year doing the the PlayStation Wrapped or whatever, yeah. and like looked. I'm like, I got two platinum trophies. What was the second one? And I'm like racking my brain. Like, oh, this game. So this is the second time I've forgotten that game. <laughs> uh, and I feel horrible about it. It's it's actually Sherlock Holmes: The Awakened. Oh, I forgot um, you played that. Played that, uh, had so much fun with it. Uh, the Sherlock Holmes Chapter One, I reviewed. That was the first Sherlock Holmes game I'd played in a while, and it was just so much, such a good exploration game. Like the, the the detective work, all the things you did in it, and the team came back and was like, you know what, to do this quicker, we can go ahead and remake a game. But they chose The Awakened, which is. If you go back and look at like the 2000, I think it was 2006 is when it came out. Man, the major upgrade that this game got in terms of how they did it. Because pretty much they took the base bones of the story, like the most base bones of it, and they built the entire game around that. So it's it's even more than just, to me, a remake because of how they did everything. Because they've added new story to it they've added new voice lines they've even changed how you play different sections of the game like you see it there if you did like side by sides or or watch certain sections you're like okay that's still a part of the game but this is like a true just remake in in the sense of taking the absolute base of what is there and rebuilding it it's such a pretty game uh the 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 games that they make are always look really good. Uh, the descent into madness of Sherlock is, I'll be completely honest, the way the game ends, I, I wasn't the biggest fan, even if I saw why yeah, everything was going that. the way it was. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was tough. And uh, shout out to Alex Jordan, the voice actor, for... <laughs> shout out to alex jordan the voice actor for sherlock he was phenomenal in chapter one he's phenomenal here uh and he's also phenomenal as mr hands by the way uh noah in cyberpunk mm. oh so. okay you have no right, interest yep. now i recognize yeah, i was going through i was like which voice was that uh okay yeah I forgot that game came out this year. I thought that was last yeah. year. No, it came out this year. Good Lord. So many games. Man, I know. What about you, Anthony? What's your number five? My number five is a remaster. Metro Ooh, like me, Prime. Kind of. <laughs> nice. Yeah. 
uh, just like you, David. <laughs> How do you improve on perfection? Add dual stick controls. There you go. That's how. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how you do that and upgrade the textures. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's Metroid Prime. It's freaking in amazing game. Still amazing game. Holds up extremely well as a Metroid game. Holds up extremely well as a game. Period. Uh, it is much easier to play with dual stick controls because it's just not built for that. But whatever, who cares? Everybody who buys this game probably already beat it 300,000 times anyway. So why not make it a little bit easier for the people? But yeah, it's, just, it's, it's Metro prime. It's still a fun, fantastic game. Um, I didn't get to finish it because there's so many other games to play, but yep. over this Christmas break, I will be playing more of that. That, that was the other part too. This doesn't really make the game better, but it feels crazy playing this game while I'm just sitting on my couch. <laughs> just the idea of like, I remember playing this game on my game. I'm tethered to the console, sitting on the couch, on the TV. Now I'm sitting on the couch and I'm just like here, just chilling. I could play as I'm going to bed. Yeah, that's a fun oh, feeling yeah. for that game. All right, David, what is your number four? Number four, coming in hot, Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Because Jedi Survivor, it's another one of those games that's just so good. Uh, the The original game was already a very good iteration on a Star Wars game. Like, just the <clears throat> exploring the planets, you know, the, the combat system going a little bit more soulsy even though it's not really soulsy was a really good choice just the fact that you had to be more precise it wasn't just like force unleash run around throw people yeah. off cliffs and just swing your lightsaber wherever like the the fact that it added that precision to being a jedi was really really cool uh and you yeah. felt it in the controls the survivor improves on all of it and it doesn't only improve on it like it is just such a a masterclass of how to build a great Star Wars game because it has phenomenal story, phenomenal combat, phenomenal platforming um and everything is just made so much better. Um there there there's another game on my list I'll make the same reference to it but it's similar to how Horizon Zero Dawn went to Horizon Forbidden West. It wasn't necessarily a tremendously different game but every system in that game had been improved upon. And that is what happened in this sequel jump in Survivor is everything's improved upon. And I mean, I don't know that you even can improve upon, but Cameron Monaghan gives just Monaghan, whatever, gives a absolutely lights out performance. Like, dude is awesome. He was, as Noah has said before, born to play this role. Like, dude yeah. is just perfect as Cal. Like, it, it's, when you have a character that, people want to jump to live action <laughs> you've made a good character agreed i the only thing i wish about survivor is that they didn't remove so much of the metroidvania aspects yeah. of it i like that in fallen order maybe it's i just did put metroid in my top five so i i like metroid e um i think the the worlds are just so spaced though like i think that's what makes it because it still has some elements of that it's just so open. yeah some yeah. yeah, it doesn't feel as deliberate. So, it, yeah, it, it feels like it's making a concession to the idea that eh, maybe 
maybe people didn't like this that much for this game. But yeah, they just they just added so much more fun. exploration. Yeah, but the, yeah, the the worlds are still fun to explore. They're they're really well done. All right, my number four was Hi-Fi Rush. Yeah, pretty obvious as to why. Uh, from an action game standpoint, it's really not like this incredible, like crazy, brand new, fresh take on action platforming. But as a rhythm-based game, it's one of the best rhythm-based action platforming games. It might be the best one uh, because everything feels so smooth. The gameplay is solid. The amount of control and action you have while playing this game where you are encouraged and rewarded for hitting actions on a beat, which might feel restrictive, does not feel like it's holding you back. You feel like you're still performing a, a bunch of action and it's moving fast and you're having a great time with it. So the fact that they were able to pull that off and then on top of that, make it look great. And then on top of that, have great music. And then on top of that, have awesome characters as well. Hi-Fi Rush is just a full package of goodness that uh, deserves all the accolades that it gets from wherever it gets. It certainly didn't get that much in the Game Awards, but... Hey, it got more than game. a lot of others, so they still got, what, two awards, I think? I think one? Okay, yeah, it, it got best... Fours they got. It, got, uh, best it got best art, music. Or be, well, it wasn't best... It was best sound design. That was it. Yeah, yeah. That's what but, it was. Which was uh, more in than Spider-Man 2. Yep. In any case, I wish that... Uh, I had more time to play that game because it is not on my list and I feel like it would be if I'd had the time to play it. Oh, it's so good. So good. Noah, what's yours? Number four. Uh, number four. Um, this one did bigger and better. You know, that's the the meme of sequel games are, oh, we just have to go bigger, crazier, wilder. Generally gets boring. But this <laughs> sequel did so many things right it's spider-man 2 no i loved the performances the action story um really insane scale so under 30 seconds that's that's (laughs) 33 seconds to be precise Ooh, I was pretty close. <laughs> that was pretty. That was pretty good. Okay, succinct on Spider-Man. Because I mean, is it mostly just Spider-Man, but bigger and better? Because yes. I know you didn't say like not every sequel has to be bigger and better, but that's kind of what Spider-Man Two is. Oh, it was a general statement. Of I'll... go ahead. I was just gonna say I'll talk more on. Marvel Spider-Man 2 shortly, but the uh, I played Remastered on doing a test on a hard drive, and I kept trying to deploy my web wings <laughs> from muscle memory. It is so good. <laughs> <laughs> like, when he it really bigger, better, improved, like, it is. <laughs> That's very can't, good. Ar- can't argue with that. All right. Uh, 
We'll start with me on my number three. Podium finishes now. What is podium finishes now the game? What is that? (laughs) Yeah, the top three, the podium, the ones on. Yeah. (laughs) David, messing up my flow. Uh, my number three is Street Fighter Six. Um, I've gushed about this game over and over and over. So if you've heard this podcast, you 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 understand where I sit with Street Fighter Six. I think it's just it is the fighting game that puts fighting games back on the map in a way that brings more people into it. Street Fighter, I think, was the the game that brought people into fighting games in the first place. Street Fighter 6, I think, is the one that brings even more people into fighting games at this point. Just everything that they include from all the in-game trainings that are fairly exhaustive and the story mode that allows you to play in the variety of ways, however you pretty much want to play. It's just top to bottom, the best fighting game this year. And certainly my number three. Noah, what is your number three? Um, it's one that's already been, I think, might be a repeat, first repeat. Uh, it's Jedi Survivor. Star Wars. Oh. I, I adore this game. I adore Cal. I adore the gameplay. It, it deserved to win so many awards, but not when BG3 and Tears come out. So no, no, no. Star Wars Jedi Survivor. All right. What was that? David, it was twenty nine seconds. <laughs> so like, yeah. That one was under thirty. <laughs> uh, what was yours, David? Very unexpected here. RoboCop Rogue City. Whoa, whoa! <laughs> that got the bronze medal for you. That because man, I oh I God. had just been through some of the best games of my life, playing them like working so hard at it, being intimidated writing it. Yeah, I know. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> could beat those. The great and... white buffalo appeared before David for <laughs> those two games. <laughs> Fam, I was in a trance. That's for sure. <laughs> But I was so just, uh, you just get to that point and you're you're just kind of worn out. And then this game all of a sudden comes in the inbox because, of course, it releases as I'm just like absolutely putting in the work. And it's, it's such a pretty game. It may not be the best gameplay you've ever, but man, is it so fun. Like just running around shooting that, that auto nine pistol. Like there's a flipping platinum, there's a flipping trophy for shooting a guy in the nuts. Like it's they even react. It's just great. Like when you hear some dude when you shoot and you he does that old old school like comedic scream from the movies. Oh god, my arm! (laughs) Like that kind of stuff. Like it it just was such a based off of. Yeah, but it's just it's such a breath of fresh air in the middle of all these great serious games that I was playing, and. It, I got the platinum trophy on it. It's, it was my other platinum trophy for the year. So <laughs> I got most of them admittedly in the first playthrough, but it's like, it was just fun to play. And I don't get to play enough fun to play games. Like there, there's a lot of games that I enjoy playing, but man, they made it fun to play. 
That's crazy. I not would have expected that game yep. to reach bronze. Okay. Yep. That's that's all right. It's better than its score. It's better than its score. Okay. Uh, all right, Noah, what is your numero two? What gets the silver medal for you? This will be a very big shock to both of you. Um, it is Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> oh, that oh. is my number two. Wait. Yeah, I said it was shocking. Yeah, okay. I know. Um, no, I'm not no, hearing no. Uno. I'm hearing Noah's one. <laughs> Run two, Noah. It's okay. No. Um, yeah, there's nothing that can be said about this game that I haven't said already. It's charming, fun to play, incredible story, visuals. It's bigger and better than Breath of the Wild. So go play it. Spend 130 hours like I did. <laughs> or more. God, what is your number one then? Good Lord. Okay. Uh, David. It's called a curveball. <laughs> That's a MLB 23. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I saw the writing on the wall. <laughs> All right, David, what's your I'll number two? I'll make it two? if uh, Yamamoto <laughs> signs with us. I'll make it number one. <laughs> Marvel Spider-Man 2 is my number two for game for the year. Just, uh, I, I love that game. Like, it is so much fun to play. I already mentioned the Web Wings. Like, you watched it, like, in there when they showed it off for the first time. You're like, that's cool. It It's just gliding, though. Is it really, does it really do that? Oh, man. Like, just the, the effortless, oh, like swinging around like hit your web wings glide around a corner go back to swinging like just all the momentum based traversal is phenomenal in the game it's bigger it's better it's such a huge city it's a technical marvel in the fact that you can instantly fast travel anywhere on that map like the fact that you can instantly do that's amazing and as i said in our podcast it does feature one of the best narratives in video games like it is just such a great story that they are telling and the side stories are enjoyable as well which we all know not every game does side content right i feel like marvel spider-man 2 did side content right fascinating okay uh, my number two is a game I have, I mean, we've gushed about all our podium finishers, uh, but uh, a space for the unbound uh, yep. indie game. Nobody has heard about, <laughs> so, but everybody, they needs need to, to hear play. about it here, man. Yeah, <laughs> that is, it's uh, such a good game. It's got heartfelt. Uh, I mean, it makes you feel all the emotions that uh, exist and, the way they tie in this the the narrative and what the theme is about is exceptional. Um, it, it, it touches on tough things, uh, one particular tough theme, and they <laughs> created a story that just makes so much sense and gives you the feeling of what it would feel like to go through that. And to overcome that, if you if you yourself have never been through what the theme is about. So the way they, they draw you into the characters, the way they draw you into the story, the way they draw you into the theme of it and what it's about um, to make you feel the thing 
uh, I mean, at, at some points it just feels straight up therapeutic at times. Like it is just, if that's uh, such a great freaking game, people need to play that game. And it's not just a walking simulator. There's some fun gameplay elements in it too, which, uh, I don't find very often in walking simulators. So, uh, very much warrior like mini games, but they're all spoof <laughs> spoofs on different games and game mechanics. So there's, there's a lot of humor in there too, to, uh, mix things up. So I always appreciate when games have gameplay and this has gameplay. So a little bonus points for me. So space for the unbound is my number two. Now we are at number one. Uh, Thankfully, Noah is going last because I'm really curious what the frick his number one is since it's not Tears of the Kingdom. David, you're holding your finger up to stop me. What's no, going on? It's just number one. Oh, <laughs> thought you were pulling the mask. Somebody stop me. Um, <laughs> David, what's your number one? We really need to talk about Skull Island, Rise of Colin. <laughs> 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 We are sleeper. Yeah, played all of it. (laughs) It was a sleeper, all right. I fell asleep, and somehow it was finished when I woke up. (laughs) Did you not read the script? I'm supposed to be the one to reveal a random pick. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm here to tell you about our Lord and Savior, Alan Wake Two. It could not have been anything else. Y'all have heard me gush over this game. It is a technical marvel. It pushes forward the medium. And the way that they have crafted this game, uh, the combat is, it's not the focus of the game, but it doesn't have to be. It is just fantastic in the way it is. The whole burning light off of the Taken to then shoot them, like just the symbolism of it, as well as just the combat is fantastic. One of the prettiest games you'll ever play. One of the best narratives ever. uh, The best narrative this year. Uh, it, the dual narrative, the way they weave it is fantastic. Uh, this is just like how Tom Cruise somehow made the perfect sequel to Top Gun 36 years later. They have made the perfect sequel to Alan Wake 2 here 13 years later. And I love how they're mixing up this whole connected universe that we really have not seen in video games at all. Like, this is just so cool. It's so well done. And also, Herald of Darkness is one of the most fun video game songs ever, and it's actually what we've seen in it performance-wise is literally in the video game. He put it in the video game. I, I just love this game. It It is such a good game. I wish I cared about Alan Wake and survival horror-ish stuff because I have zero desire to play this game. Even after all the accolades you talk about, I still have zero desire to play it. But it's it's not because... <laughs> it's not because of it's not because of the things that you're mentioning. Actually, those things do draw me a little bit, but um it's just survival horror. I just can't do that to my body anymore. What what's funny is I'm just not no one knows me well enough to know this it's pretty incredible that I played this game because I am not into that genre. Uh it's mm-hmm. just because it's Alan Wake. Like I love the psychological thriller kind of aspect and uh while this game is creepy it does it in an intelligent way like that makes you think rather than like just jump scares around every corner kind of thing sure. there's still a couple of those but they, I, I i'm very happy with the way they crafted it because i was i was actually was afraid that it was going to be too scary and i think it's perfectly scary i'll have to i'll probably just watch 
a gameplay of it. Because I do want to, I do want to experience what you're talking about. It yep. sound, it does sound too good to to pass up. It is, it is unique in a world of video games that aren't always unique. Understood. Yeah. All right. My number one should be of no surprise. Zelda Tears of the No. <laughs> uh, Redfall. Oh, no. No. Uh, it seems Mario like it's Wonder. getting into. <laughs> it seems like we were with the game of the year with Timothy Chalamet. You can see the B for me. Booper Mario. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Super Mario Wonder. Um, I was. I always wondered if this game was going to. <laughs> Wonder. You know, it, said it. I did. Game. I, didn't even try to switch. Did, <laughs> <laughs> I need to hurry up my already on myself. Um, yeah, this I, I I I thought about if this game was going to be better than Mario Three or Mario World because when I saw it in the trailers and stuff, I was like, "Ooh, there is a lot of stuff that is referencing both of those games," and I wonder if they're going to improve on what those games brought. It does not, but. Uh, it takes from those games and brings about some interesting platforming that could not have been done if it were not for this development team that decided to look at what made Mario 3 great, look at what made Mario World great, so even some Yoshi's Island, and go, well, how do we just throw wonder in your face and do something interesting? And that's exactly what they did. You see all the references everywhere. It's fine. It's fine. It's it's fantastic. Uh, I could play this for a very long time. Um, so I am super satisfied with this. Uh, it's not the best. It doesn't crack my top four Mario games, which are my top four favorite games of all time. But uh, for this year, it is my number one game. And so I can make sure it's clear with some, like there are some games that we just didn't get to play. So like, I'm sure some games would have been way up my list had I got uh, two seconds to play them. <laughs> oh yeah. I can imagine. <laughs> that one's one that doesn't money. interest me in the slightest. <laughs> yeah. I kind of, I, I want to play it because it seemed to have transcend in a, in yeah. a way I didn't expect it would. So I feel like, Street Fighter 6, for instance, might have even made my list if I'd had two seconds to play it in such a crowded June space. I know. Yeah, I hear you. All right. The one this Tears of the Kingdom is not Noah's number one. I what the frick slipped past Tears of the Kingdom and made your gold metal noah <laughs> i was like well let me tell you about the walking dead destinies yeah <laughs> no i'll uh i'll just say that if i'm only through act one of baldur's gate 3 um if i had gotten to beat baldur's gate 3 it would have been my game of the year but i did not um one game that i did beat this year and it is appropriate Destiny. that i'm giving it right. the gold medal <laughs> Lightfall. <laughs> the gold medal. Um, no, it is a remake. And I hadn't played it originally, so this is also Ooh. new to me, my first run through. Um, Persona 4 Golden. 
Oh, wow. Way back early this year. Um, for Dang, those that don't know, good. Persona 5 Royal is my favorite game of all time. Um, and this was just more of that um, with a little bit worse graphics and <laughs> a little bit fewer, uh, um, you know, epicness. But no, the story, characters, gameplay, the music, my favorite genre of music, um, all together in a wonderful package that you can easily play over 100 hours. Um, and there's a specific moment where a song from the soundtrack played and just elevated the entire game to the echelon. So <laughs> The whole game. Yep. So P4G, that's my game of the year. P4G. So they remade it? Or they like, remastered it, it? It was a... Or re-released it. No, it was a remaster. Okay. Yeah. Because they didn't realize it was a remaster. They they added some quality of life improvements, but that was then they updated the graphics um, and stuff. But it wasn't nearly where they like added new things enough to be uh, its own. So okay, all right, yeah. Wow, didn't didn't I didn't even play that. Yep, that game is special, Um, and. Yeah. January 19th is when it came out on Switch, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, and Xbox Series consoles. So did you play Persona 5 Tactica? Uh, I am play that? a couple I am currently a couple of chapters in. Um, okay. My goal was to uh at some point work my way back to it, but then a little roguelike for one of my favorite games of all time came out <laughs> and it's given me a reason to repeatedly play this game. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Before T is on the, on the bench for a while. <laughs> yeah. Understandable. It's so. okay. I think as I, I don't think you'll finish it. Maybe you'll finish it just because it's P five, but. Oh, I will. From a game, I will. Yeah. From a gameplay perspective, I don't think it's worth finishing. Like it's okay. Uh, it's not a fire emblem we'll say that uh, all right well that's it that's our top five that's the game of the games We're of done. the year noah's man. ready to take off his headphones he is <laughs> man that air really snuck up on me done yeah. uh, one of one of the fun things this year too and i you know there there were games that i played and then the more i thought about certain features and certain things as i went on through the year like i was higher on some games and then i was lower on them by that point like you know when you get a chance to really digest things and Uh it's not as fresh and new alan wake was one of those where i sat there and like i played it and i did my review and everything and obviously i gave it a really high score but then as i sat and thought more on it and marinated like it just went it just went higher like that's the thing yeah (laughs) That's why it made it up on number one on my list because the more I thought about it, the more it was the best game I played this year. Yeah. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. It uh although I am loving Final Fantasy VII remake right now. I, I know we've talked about it before, I'm but glad I you're finally enjoying got it. finally got two seconds to myself welcome, to play a video game for to fun. The cult. <laughs> <laughs> and and this that's saying a lot for David because you don't like JRPGs generally. 
Yeah. And I under like I understand what this thing is doing like with the combat and stuff now, uh, which I didn't when I first put it in like I I played it when it came out uh for a couple hours and dropped off of it cuz I didn't understand it. This time I got in and it's like, "Wait, I get the whole command system and all that like I cuz I I actually they did a really good job of showing us how that worked when I got to do the preview for Rebirth. And I was able to carry that understanding back with me into into this and it's oh man I I I'm very sad like I'm I don't want to say sad but this game has a photo mode and <laughs> I'm taking so many photos <laughs> I don't blame you uh fun fact for my list so I played 35 games this year uh, at least for the last three years I've ranked every game that I've played so um Diablo 4 started my year most of the time in third place. At the time, it was a space for the Unbound, number one, Street Fighter 6, number two, and Diablo 4, number three. Diablo 4 ended up dropping to number 10 on the list. Mm -hmm. That's how crazy this year was. Yeah. And I liked Diablo 4 a lot. Dropped to number 10. Right behind Sea of Stars. Great year of games. Is, I mean, uh, again, so good. when you can have something like Diablo 4 in your top and like that dropped all the way to 10, like it's a ridiculous year. <laughs> ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. All right. It was a good year. This was, uh, I was looking at our video list and I think we did. 50, 50 episodes nice. as the gaming trend podcast. So pretty awesome. We did good. Did good. Job, good. Appreciate it. Before so, we well, leave for the year, we got to check one more thing though. How many people are Red playing Fall? Redfall right now? Go for yep. it. Do it. There Why are on Steam. On on Steam, there are twenty eight people playing Redfall. Whoa. <laughs> That's Talk about than- like quadrupling your player counts. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> hey. Oh man, there are people I see on threads who are like, I, I mean, like I hear Red it Ball. is better. And I'm like, really? You like Redfall? <laughs> Tell me more <laughs> because I don't. I just want to hear you talk and see what you say. Yeah. It, it, you realize there are some people who are dissatisfied with playing something in front of them. <laughs> what what other takes do you have? <laughs> do you also prefer plain oatmeal? I mean... <laughs> oh, God. Prefers cornflakes over frosted flakes? Like, okay, <laughs> serial killer. Like, <laughs> Also puts in the milk first <laughs> and then pours the cereal. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and to think arcane was like oh man we like what we're seeing with the red fo- let's do another vampire game dear lord <laughs> uh, what a timeline we live in what yeah, a timeline this, this has been wild year in many ways yep. So hopefully it improves on the uh, the business side of things next year and uh, from yep. now on. 
Um, but as far as what's been released, it's been a, it's been a fantastic year. It's hard to reconcile both of those things, but it has been, uh, as far as what's been played, uh, it's been a, it's been a great year. So with that said, we're signing off for the rest of the year. We'll be back in 2024 to talk about more video games. Oh yeah. Deuces. <laughs>